and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design and analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. And Kelso, I'm astonished at how regularly you manage to, like, give that intro without <laughs> messing it up. I, you know what, every, every time I do it, I'm like, oh, this is the time, this is the time I screw it up. Like, I'm, I'm ready to trip over those words, and I haven't yet, so. They're very trippy words. They like, are. I'm, I'm impressed. It's, yeah, I don't, you know, it's, uh, I probably have jinxed it for myself, and from, from now <laughs> until eternity, that's gonna take us, like, ten attempts to get it to work every episode, but you'll that never know, too. listeners, because <laughs> that's what editing is for. <laughs> Maybe you screwed up every time. It's you know what? Maybe I did. <laughs> maybe I was secretly throwing a bone there. Or maybe I just managed to edit my life so that you Oh, don't... you're Ooh. a time lord. I'm, Secret yeah, time lord. I'm like that's my stand. It's like the world Zawarudo. Just go back and reverse time or something. No, that's that would be cool, but that's not real. <laughs> We just disclaimer, Kelso is not actually a time magician. Nope. Nope. I'm not yes. a time lord or a stand user yet. Um, I apologize to any actual <laughs> time lords in the audience who might have been offended. By, right? By my by that assertion. By my slanderous lies. Oh boy. So how have you guys been doing? Uh excellent and also terrible. Oh boy. That sounds um, oof. Yeah, it's and it's like not, it's it's just two distinct things. Terrible because I'm working this weekend and I hate working on weekends, but yeah. uh, like there's just too much stuff to do and so um, you know once we're done with this podcast, I basically just have to get back to work, which sucks. Um, but the bright line is that it, the book that I've been waiting for for ages and ages just came in on Thursday. I've already finished it, but it was fantastic, <laughs> and I'm like still feeling like happy about like the fact that because it, it's the fourth book in a the fourth and final book in a series oh. and it like wrapped up really nicely and i'm like oh man oh it was so good i'm so pleased that's good that it ended on a high note i don't know i always feel really sad after finishing a book series i'm like what do i do with my life now i don't know well so. she definitely left the story open to do like more stories in that world if she mm-hmm. wants to but like the main cycle is finished it's uh the raven cycle series by maggie stiefvater okay, uh, yeah. the, the book in question is the raven king oh, I think, and I it's think I've so heard good you guys so good <laughs> i finally it's... uh recently have started reading some ian banks so that's like <laughs> that's all that's oh boy it's dense i like it I don't, I don't know anything about ian banks it's like hard speculative sci-fi um, oh, there's there's one character. So the book that I'm reading is called Fearsome Engine, and one of the characters like it's implied that he's like I I don't know dyslexic or something. But all of his section is like written in the first person, and all of it is spelled out phonetically. Oh. So oh. instead of instead oh. of like like I have to go do something, it's like instead of like have to do something, it's one half like the number written out the number two then like go do s-u-m thing like for pages and pages actually that's like my favorite character too so jesus that sounds like that would, would be you do that? to read <laughs> yeah. it's it is 
but then you'd sort of fall into the pattern and it's like okay i understand what this is now but then like but then people have ridiculous names like Gadfium and Ergates and and Count Cecine the Third, and it's like, oh, okay, this is that was, kind of book. Yeah, I was, it sounds a little bit like the the literary equivalent of watching the movie Cloud Atlas. Mm. <laughs> I haven't seen Cloud Atlas. I I am aware of it though, and and that Cloud, might be the case. Yeah. Cloud, Cloud Atlas is, was definitely a movie where you had to like restructure your brain a little bit to watch it mm. like you the feeling of watching it is instead of trying to like follow everything you have to just kind of let go and let the movie like take you let the current let go where the current <laughs> flows nice yeah it, i mean i've heard good things about cloud atlas yeah so. i liked it a lot but mm-hmm. it, it does very strange and different things to your brain yeah yeah that sounds pretty pretty accurate <laughs> So. It sounds like something I would absolutely despise. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? I uh, your judgment. The, the Kelso's book or Cloud Atlas? Both, actually. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, there you go. Carl, what have you been uh, getting up to lately? I've been failing an assignment on purpose because I thought that was a good thing to do. What? I really disliked the book I had to reference, so I said fuck it. Um, I have been celebrating Valpurgis Night, because that's the thing we do in Sweden. Nice. Yep. Valpurgis Nacht. Um, there's and so Valpurgis. Yeah, Valpurgis. Yeah, sorry for my uh, like assuredly sure, like terrible pronunciation there, but um, the, so the reason I know that term is because that's what they call the Grand Witches in um. Madoka Magica. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's just like a fun holiday for witches and magic and stuff, right? Like that's that's my understanding of it. Like sort of vaguely like Halloween, but in the spring, which is cool. Yeah, kinda. And no one celebrates that fact. Yeah, celebrate spring or something. Yeah, basically. Light a fire and do nothing. Yeah, (laughs) that's fine. Yeah, I mean, getting drunk. <laughs> Which really, time tradition. It's it's the reason for every season, and or at I'm least okay every holiday. That. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, that sounds fun. I you I know, see. I I feel that like failing stuff on purpose. Feel I they're like rescheduling the curriculum at my school, and um, there's one class that I'm just like, I don't I don't care about this class at all. And under the new curriculum, apparently that class doesn't even count towards my major anymore, which means that uh, I'm pretty sure it won't be reflected on my GPA. So that's kind of a nice little, like, get-out-of-jail-free card that I have. Like, it, it sucks that it doesn't count towards anything, but... Eh, but you can completely blow it off if you want. Yeah. So. Is it, like, is it a class you don't like, or...? It's, I mean, it's not that I don't like it, it's just, like, kind of not fun stuff it's it's previs so it's all just like blocking out scenes in maya and like throwing throwing your character models around without like animating them like you know this person starts over here and walks over there you don't animate it they just kind of slide across the frame it's like it's just kind of silly and not super creative or fun so 
but I like the teacher, I'm so sure I don't... I'm sure it's important. I mean, it's it important, important to, like, know what the blocking is yeah. going to be for your animation. Like, it's, it's, it's a big part of, like, pre-production in, in general, just of, of, like, not even just animated stuff, but of live action as well, because it, it sort of encompasses the, like, okay, this is the equipment we're going to need, we're going to need a green screen that's this big, and this is how much all the stuff is going to cost. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just not very fun. <laughs> I've heard that, like, every, every you know, uh, every certain amount of time you spend in previs, you know, saves you X money and time yeah. later on. And, and that is true. I mean, you can't go on forever and making it cost nothing. That's true. That's true. That's only point. There's, there's like, a, there's a point of diminishing returns on it, on that one. <laughs> Which you know, it's yeah, not a linear formula for true, sure. True, true. Ugh. Well, that all sounds like we're all just kind of doing okay, which is yeah. good. God, if you guys like, I don't. I, I was gonna just like wholesale recommend, uh, like the Raven Cycle, and like everybody should just go read this. But it's actually probably not to everyone's taste because it's young adult fiction technically. Mm. Uh, but it's like young adult with adult appeal, but it's really good. And if you have like any interest in, I don't know, um, like modern urban fantasy stuff and or like the history of Welsh kings. See, that sounds pretty like, sick. Fiction, <laughs> that like, sounds pretty rad. I'm into it. Yeah, it's it's so good. And the first like, so this was recommended to me by um, by a person on um, Tumblr who's. Like I, I read a lot of her meta, and she has uh, like I respect her opinions a lot. And I'm like she she loves this book so much. I should like check out what it's about. So I looked up the blurb on the back of the first book, and it sounds so bad. They got such a bad blurb. Oh, <laughs> no. the they make it sound like a really like cheesy sort of Twilight knockoff kind of thing. And it's like ugh. If I didn't trust that person's opinion so much that I would like would discount the blurb entirely then I would never have experienced this actually really amazing series I'm trying to find what's the fir- well, the first one is the the Raven Boys uh yes I'm trying to find like the synopsis perhaps on Amazon or something uh just so that I can so that I can perhaps let's, let's see. see the Raven Boys back cover I I also have the book I could just really quickly go grab it and read it to you guys if you want the what what I what I see on Amazon is um every year blue sergeant stands next to her clairvoyant mother as the soon to be dead walk past does this ring a bell um I don't know I okay. don't think that's it let me go let me go okay. find mine Let's see. okay Hold on. god kill me <laughs> you know what you know what <laughs> It's fine. We're all. It's gonna be okay. This is gonna be entertaining. Hopefully. I don't <laughs> understand much of the urban fantasy fiction. I was reading a it's... series that I really liked a while ago, that it was like about like a, an exorcist who's just. I don't know. I he's don't, just I like can't... sort of an alcoholic, and it's. it's I mean, it all sounds so stupid. <laughs> what, Just what we got? saying the saying the sentences out loud. You yeah. you listen to it, and yep, that's retarded. Uh, yes, this actually is. Uh, this, this is the blurb from the back. It was. I was. Uh, it's like the bottom two paragraphs that are that sound really cheesy. 
but yeah, so the blurb goes, uh, every year Blue Sergeant stands next to her clairvoyant mother as the soon-to-be-dead walk past. Blue never sees them until this year when a boy emerges from the dark and speaks to her. His name is Gancy, a rich student at Aglianby, a local private school. Blue has a policy of staying away from Aglianby boys. It's actually Aglanby, I think. Um, known as the Raven Boys, they can only mean trouble. But Blue is drawn to Gancy in a way she can't entirely explain. He is on a quest that encompasses that has encompassed three other Raven Boys. Adam, the scholarship student who resents the privilege around him, Ronan, the fierce soul whose emotions range from anger to despair, and Noah, the taciturn watcher who notices many things but says very little. For as long as she can remember, Blue has been warned that she will cause her true love to die. She doesn't believe in true love and never thought this would be a problem. But as her life becomes caught up in the strange and sinister world of the Raven Boys, she's not so sure anymore. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that yeah. does sound pretty pretty dippy. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it sounds like they, they sort of lean heavily on, like, the mysterious boys and the romance angle, um, which, like, is present in the book, but it's, like, not... I wouldn't say romance is, like, the major focus of the book. Mm. It sounds like it's... It, it would shake out to be more of, like, a mystery, but also there's romance, but I don't know. That's just my guess Yeah, I mean, that. that's, that's, not, that's not incorrect. <laughs> All right. I'm okay with but that. But anyway, it's a good series, and despite that blurb, everybody sh- who has any related interests should check it out, because it's really, nice. really good. <laughs> just that, like... Her... And it's so well-written, too. That's good. That's, that's, like... That sounds better than, like, most young adult fiction that I've experienced... Um, that has not been super good, but that's okay. Also, the, 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 the Raven Boys, that reminds me, I don't know if I'm the only one who's noticed, but the, the sudden memeage of the Dover Boys, those old Warner Brothers cartoons. I don't, I don't know okay, what that is at it's all. It's probably just me. No, the Dover Boys were like, yeah, they were like old school Warner Brother cartoons. I think it was Warner Brother, at least. It was about like three like three college boys and their girlfriend. Oh, they all they all have one girlfriend, I guess, and she always gets taken by like this sort of snidely whiplash sort of character, and and they all have to go rescue her, and it's it's dumb and funny, and for some reason that's just become a meme of late. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm looking up pictures from this, and it looks never very... seen it. Odd. Yeah, I. it doesn't ring any bells for me either. Ah, uh, okay. That's fair. Looney... T- oh, no. I was gonna say, it's, it, it... Related searches are Looney Tunes and Animaniacs. <laughs> so probably Warner Brothers, yeah. yeah. Yep. Anyway. Anyway. Anywho. Yeah. Um, we, we played a video game. I was gonna say speaking of, but, like, I got no segue for this one. Yeah, I know. I, I sort of... I sort of derailed us from... Well, I mean, we were talking about you know, young adult fiction. I don't know if there was any good segue to begin with. Speaking of mysterious quests... Right. (laughs) um, So this week, this three weeks actually, uh, we played Hyperlight Drifter, Mm -hmm. which uh, is a new game by Heart Machine that just came out. It was uh, kickstarted quite a while back, uh, and they've been steadily working on it, and now it's out, and it was, uh, it's really good. It was made by... So, Heart Machine is, like, three people plus assorted others. Um, Alex Preston, Bo Blythe, and my friend Teddy Deef, uh, who I went to school with at USC. Um, he was actually in the same year as me. Excellent. 
So, I gotta like, say, we... Heart Machine is like the best name ever. <laughs> it is yeah. a really good name. Like, A plus on that. Yep. For sure. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, Hyperlight Drifter is a 2D action game um, where you play as a mysterious figure. Um, presumably male, although you don't see them that close, so who knows? Could be anyone. Um, could be a cat. Could be a cat. Could be a cat. Yeah, can always be that's a cat. true. They do have they do have like a little ears on their hat, don't they? Mm-hmm. Or some pointy things, yeah. Some pointy things. Um, I'm googling images. Yeah, I I think judging by from the cover art, it looks like that's actually part of the headband. So it's hard to say, but mm. you could put ears under there. Now, now we're all looking it up. Now, now we all have to Google the image. Uh, the art is really good. It's so it's very pretty. It's sort of a kind of an old-fashioned pixely sort of look to it. Um, and the gameplay is also very old-fashioned. It's got a kind of Legend of Zelda sort of feel, where you're like wandering about a, around a bunch of different areas um, and you know fighting monsters, and you are trying to get to the end of each area and defeat a boss. Um, and then once you've collected all of the things, you go and you face the final boss. Um, and somebody made a little plushie of the main guy. That's a that's amazing. And <laughs> I'm just I'm just like going through the Google images. Sorry. Probably that's probably really cool. It's a they're kind of a cute character. They've got like a like a face mask and cape, so it's hard to see many details of uh, of the face. Of it that it sort of makes me think of like Finn from uh, Adventure Time, but like grown up and world wary and dying. So so the story, yeah. So the story of this, it seems to be, it's so it's all told non-verbally. There's almost no text or dialogue in the game, except for like at the very beginning. um, There's a little bit to like tell you which keys to press, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, the story, as it seems to be, is that there was some kind of uh, like earth-shattering apocalypse. Something happened, and there were these, like, giant monsters. Maybe they're robots. It's uh, unclear. And uh, there was a giant, like, light cannon thing that erupted and killed all the uh, the robot things. Mm-hmm. But also maybe poisoned the world or just poisoned the main character. It's unclear. Um, so the main character has, like, this this, like, retching black illness where he's, like weird, I don't know how to describe it, like, he gets weird hallucination things of this, like, giant tar monster coming to kill him, Mm -hmm. um, and so he's wandering around and collecting what may or may not be, like, the remnants of this ancient technology to open a door where he goes and fights the giant blackness monster and destroys it and at least heals him, like, heals the world. He cleanses something clearly yeah. in the process of destroying this. I think he destroys whatever technology it was that caused this cataclysm in the first place. But it's a little bit, it's pretty open to interpretation because, again, there's like it's very open to interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's uh, there's no dialogue. Um, so there's uh, there's only what you what you take away from the images. And it's it's like feels very cool and sort of like the the images are very powerful but it's not very explicit so you sort of have to um put it together yourself 
my friend Mike says he has a he has like a very strong theory about what the end of the game means. Uh, but he was waiting till I was done playing it before he explained to me what that is. So I don't know yet what his oh. theory is. Dang, that would have been that would have been fun to hear. I kind of stopped caring about <laughs> about the story. The story because it was it was so vague that I could basically put any story into it. Mm-hmm. You are a guy. You have a quest. Yeah. That's that's all you need to know. You you are uh, a man and you fight many other mans and non-mans of varying sizes. Some of the mans that you fight are very small, and some of the mans that you fight are very large. Yep. And then you go and fight the largest man of them all, and then the game is over. <laughs> um, yeah. That's my, that's my take on it. Yes. Um, and everything yeah. is very pretty. Yes, and everything is very pretty and sounds very cool and is, is neat colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like... Uh, there's a couple different actions you can do in the game. Um, you have the ability to, uh, as you're moving, to drift, so to do like a little dash. Um, and as you, uh, when you upgrade that, you get the ability to like dash multiple times in a row if you time it well. Mm-hmm. Um, you can and dash then through you bullets. Can, you can dash, yeah, you get like a shield that lets you dash through bullets. And you have a, a sword, that, so you can do melee sword attacks. And you have a gun. You actually get a series of guns over the course of the game, but you start with a pistol. You um, get like five guns. Six guns. There are six guns total. Six guns. Um, That's a lot of guns. Yeah. And then, and then you also can up- upgrade so that you have like a little bomb. Grenade, oh, yeah, yeah. Grenade type dealy. Yes. Um, and then there's like health packs that you can use. You never, you always have five health. You never get more than five health in the entire game, but you do get the ability to carry more than five health packs. Um, so that's, or sorry, you get the ability to carry up to five health packs. You, you start, start with, with three. Yeah, three. Um, so, and the enemies, so like the game is always hard because you never get the you never really get the ability to deal more damage. You get like special attacks that combine your damage and movement in interesting ways, but you never actually deal more damage and you never gain more health. So the game stays pretty difficult all um, actually I, I mean you get like stronger strikes if you upgrade your sword, you get like that charge strike that does more Is damage. That... Yes, but that's but like But it's it's uh... a, it's a trade-off sort of thing. Like it takes more time to do, so it's yeah. not like a net positive. Yeah, and it's but, not um, it's not like a straight up upgrade on your previous attack. Like your right, standard yeah. melee attacks still do the same amount of damage. Yeah, yeah. It's just that you also have the ability to like charge up and do a dash through a bunch of people with your sword that mm-hmm. does more damage and stuff. Um, and yeah, and there's yeah, you get the charge. I, I'm not actually sure whether you meant charge like charging forward because there is one of those, or charge oh, yeah. like charging up. Yeah, like because I there's meant, also like, one up. of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's the ability to like hold down the attack button to like charge up a, a like a big attack and then let it go and he does a sort of link yeah, like, it's like the attack. Link. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Um so as you are wandering around, you start the game, there are three areas. There's the west, east, and north of this little town that you start in. Um and you can your goal is to like wander around there and find these triangles, basically. There's like these little glowing crystal shard things. And there's eight of them in each area, but you don't need to find all eight. Um, I think you need to find three each in the starting areas to get to the boss. Um, so you find you find those things. You you know 
you'll f- probably find some other stuff, like some little upgrade tokens and stuff that let you let you upgrade your character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you have done all three of those areas, you open the southern area. And when you've beaten the southern area, and you have no, you do have to get four in each, right? Because the center I, the center thing doesn't activate until there's four. I think that's I think four sounds right to me in my head. Like it's one of those things where it's just like, oh, well, I found another thing, and then I sort of stopped keeping track of how many I had found. Um, in each yeah. area, but four sounds right to me, so... Well, yeah, I think I'm not there's sure. four in at least one of the areas. Oh, there's eight in every single area. Yeah, uh, but you need four in one of the areas, I think. Uh, maybe. To get it's to the big thing. To get to the boss door. Um, I'm also not sure if the, the door in the center is activated by the giant pillars that come from defeating the bosses, or by having four of the little triangles, or both. I'm actually not sure either, because I know, I know there's a little thing that lights up. Mm-hmm. For every small triangle, but then but then the pillars are raised. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the pillars. Yeah. So I I think all the boss doors in west, north, and and east are three. And I think there isn't a a door in front of the boss in the south because I feel like I found the boss accidentally in the south. I think the boss accidentally. I think the boss in the south was actually the the four bosses. Oh, you just have to find every single one of them. I think so. And some of them are behind, like, one-piece doors. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, anyway. I think that's how they gated, like... Because the South had has, like, four mini-bosses instead of one big boss. And I think that's how they gated off, is that the triangle pieces are... Y- you you find them after defeating, like, the first three mini-bosses. And then after that, you can go to get the last boss. And then, and then there's the big pillar thing. I feel mm-hmm. like that's sort of how it was structured, but... I sort of wanted no, around. No, because I beat I beat the boss with the pillar as the first boss. Oh, okay. I see. So I, I had to break like, the pillar. I ended up like wandering around in the south for quite a while, um, being a little bit lost and like no, I don't sorry. know if I went over here or not. I beat I beat the pillar boss as the second boss. Okay. Because the first boss was that weird pointy black android one that fooled you into thinking you were at a triangle and then you yes. weren't at a triangle. Oh, I love that boss. <laughs> that boss was so schmuppy. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, so there's there's sort of, like, I would say two major ways to play this game. You can either be, like, really twitchy and excellent in timing, uh, and, you know, because it's it, the challenges, the fighting challenges are very hard. Um, so you have to, like, dash at exactly the right time and attack in exactly the right windows and so on. Or you can spend your time, like, wandering around all the locations in great detail and rubbing up against every single wall in an attempt to find, like, all the hidden spaces and get all the upgrades and make yourself, uh, like, a little bit better equipped in terms of attack types and movements and guns and things, mm-hmm. um, which is another another option. Yep. Either way, either way, you're going you're gonna to go through some difficult times, but still... Yeah. It's a very challenging game. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I heard a lot of people, or like I've seen a lot of people being like, "Oh, this game's so hard. Like this, this is like the most difficult." I mean, and I don't think I would go that far. Like it was yeah, certainly a challenging game. Yeah, it's not that game. bad. But yeah, no, it's not like the most difficult game ever. Um, there was one boss that slightly pissed me off. Yeah. And it was the boss in the area to the west. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say the west boss was the hardest, probably the hardest and game for me. Mm-hmm. Then I sort of, I felt tilted, so I went to the eastern area and got a, did that and got a shotgun, which helped a lot. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like the shotgun. The shotgun was my least favorite gun. 
I don't. So I, I feel like if you're gonna be if you're gonna be like the shotgun, the range is so small. If you're gonna be in that range anyway, you might as well be using your melee attacks. Yeah, but it deals like a million damage. <laughs> <laughs> I just I need to be able to dodge at a moment's notice, and I feel like if they were close enough that I was using shotgun, then I was not. I was not to be dodging. Anyway, um, should I make the call before we get too deep into more of this? I suppose. We, we have a what? special secret guest! Special secret guest that that is going to take some time to get on, so... Yeah. So there, there's probably going to be some, for some, time. some real-life editing going on here, or maybe not, I don't know. Time Lord powers activate! <laughs> I, I feel like I need, like... One of those little, like, TARDIS keychains that makes the... I can't make the noise. The noise! You know the noise. The TARDIS yeah. noise that I can't make. I also feel not, like... I'm I, not going to try for the noise. Yeah. It's not remotely what it sounds like, but yes. <laughs> no, we're, both, we're both doing real bad. I also feel like I should just have a theremin. I think, I think my life I, would it's be... Not a, it's certainly not a theremin noise. No, I know, but the theremin's, like, in, in the intro music. Or the old intro music, at least. I think it's I think it's more of a synth in the new one, but in the old one, it was definitely a theremin. And I feel like my life. Uh... Oh, the old Doctor Who music. For a second, I thought you meant uh, our our intro. No, no. Like, <laughs> like I didn't think we changed intros at any point. Oh man, I that would be great. That would be great if I mean I feel like my life just in general would be much better with a theremin, um, just around. I think you can get, like, pocket theremins. Let me Google this while we're... Pocket. <laughs> pocket theremins? All I, I know about the theremin pocket, is what I, what I learned from watching it on the Hannibal TV show. Oh, come on. Keyboard. Pocket uh, theremin. But anyway, are we cutting this, or should I uh, should I keep talking about Hyperlight? <laughs> oh, we can keep talking. That's fine. Play it fast I want to hear about pocket theremins. Oh, uh, apparently, let's see. According to Popular Science Magazine... You can build a pocket theremin in about three hours for about $18.39. Difficulty? Easy. What? <laughs> so, I guess. Why don't, why don't we all have pocket theremins? I don't know. But hey, we, we have a guest now. We have oh, a hi. special guest. Would you like to Is... introduce yourself, yourself, special mystery guest? Wait, first can I ask about pocket... Uh, does popular science always have, like, a difficulty rating for every science that they demonstrate? Is Man, that, like... I, don't, I don't know. I just I just googled <laughs> pocket <laughs> theremin, and that was the first result. <laughs> Adam Bomb, difficulty. Hi! <laughs> <laughs> right, and does it cap out? Is it just easy, medium, hard, or does, does it continue? you think they'd have a more scientific scale for difficulty. <laughs> I don't know. Popular so. science is, like, pretty entry-level science. This is, it's the popular. The difficulty level is the popular part of the yeah, popular yeah. science. Yeah, Populist like, science. Like hard, yeah. hard, hard six, light seven, uh, theremin mm -hmm. difficulty. Uh, okay, okay, that makes sense. All right. Anyway, thank you for indulging. Hi. Yeah, I'll introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Teddy Deef. Uh, I am a uh, among things. I guess I'm a game designer, game maker. Um, I'm in LA. We just made this game called Hyperlight Drifter, which I guess is the most relevant piece of information. Um, but also, I know Kyla from back in grad school when we did our MFAs in interactive media together. Yeah. Excellent. USC. Uh, what else? I don't know. I designed for Disney for a while. I did a brief stint at Microsoft. Uh, did and I've been doing the indie thing for several years now. And now I'm officially selling out uh, in a few weeks, so that'll be interesting. <laughs> I'm going to Square Enix. Sure am. Fancy. Mm. So fancy. 
Got a tie on and everything. Wowie, wowie, zowie. So, so you you worked on the game that we are discussing at the moment, so you can answer all our questions about why did they design it that way. Uh huh. I can <laughs> which try. Is like, which I think is mostly going to be what this is. I can uh, I can see from uh from Carl's Skype icon that we're probably going to be talking about the dash challenge, which I'm prepared to do. Thank you for having me, by the way. Yeah. Thank you for being here, by the yeah, way. Yeah, the, was the achievement 800 or 900? It's 8. Ah, good. Yeah, so I you did so. get it. You did get I it, did Carl. did get it. It was going to be 1,000, but I got pulled back by the rest of the team, so. <laughs> um, so my, my first question is, I noticed in the credits and where he's listed everywhere that uh, Alex Preston spells his name A-L-X, and I'm wondering if he lost the E in some kind of tragic childhood accident. <laughs> like... I actually have lots of opinions on so um he that's kind of like one of those things like me going by Teddy Deef where that's not actually my name. I mean, first of all my legal first name is not that, but that doesn't count. My I've always been called Teddy. That's not bullshit. Um but my full last name is Diefenbach, but at a certain point I decided most recently really to like actually double down and be like, "You know what? I'm just going to go by Deef professionally because it's shorter and easier and I'm tired of dealing with it and like it's it's fine. Like it represents the same name. It's fine." Um, Alex is the same way. Like I think he loosely went by, because um, his full name is Alexander, and he loosely went by regular Alex, and then dabbled with Alex. And I think most recently, I think for the credits, I was actually plugging the credits in for the game, and I told him I was like, I'm gonna commit to being Deef in the credits for our game. Like, do you want to be Alex? And he was like, Yeah, I'll go with, I'll double down too. <laughs> right. So re-ident- re uh, reinvention. He's now Alex. <laughs> Alex Preston. <laughs> you have to call him right. Alex now. Yep. Um, so we were we were talking about uh, Carl's love of the shotgun, mm-hmm. uh, and I was gonna I was gonna bring up my favorite uh, my favorite gun in the game is the one that like shoots five bullets that diverge and then converge again. Uh, yes. But then it occurred to me that like a lot of these guns are hidden, so maybe like not everybody playing. Uh, not everybody on this podcast got them, so I thought, like, let's share uh, how far we got in the game. Because I got, I got all of the triangles. I went, I went hard and found all the triangles and got all the guns and got nine key cards out of sixteen. Jeez, man, I don't. Now I wish I would have like written down how far I got because I like I, I didn't keep tabs on this stuff at all. I think I got all but one of the guns. Um. And I, I want to say I got like maybe maybe four key cards. Uh, I did not I did not do super well on the key cards. I I have been remiss in finding things, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah. Car- Carl, clearly I've... you spent a lot of time working on your dashing. Yeah, so I didn't have time for exploring. <laughs> no, but I I'm not really an explorer when it comes to games. So no, your, didn't get your, very icon far. Says, your icon says 845 was your dash record. That's insane, dude. Mine was 10. <laughs> yeah, mine was not very high either. I want to yeah, say I... mine was like like 9 or 10, yeah. So Carl, I you finally have... got to use my metronome again. <laughs> <laughs> Pro strats. Yeah, definitely. So what metronomically, what is the what is the beat that you set it to? Oh, I forgot. Maybe 250? Man, I feel like I should, like... Does that make sense? <laughs> I have no idea. I feel like... I mean, I've got... I know I have a metronome kicking around somewhere. 
I don't know why I still have it. I haven't played an instrument in many years, but you know, sometimes it's, sometimes <laughs> it's just you useful. In case you need it for rhythm for dashing. Exactly. Sometimes it's just useful to have a metronome. It 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 tunes to I don't remember what keys it tunes to as well. It's super useful for those things. I did not expect people to use a metronome. That was kinda cool (laughs) that they wanted to hack it. It was funny at first because the community found like people were trying to just macro it and like code it in. Mm -hmm. Um but they were having trouble because the timing actually changes a little bit. Uh not much, but it changes over the first several dashes. Like it speeds I up. I thought that was the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I because w- I was trying to do it on a rhythm, and I'm like, it's getting. Is it getting faster? It feels like it's getting faster. It, well, it, the the window goes from being. I want to. God, I don't even remember anymore. I, the window goes from being four frames to three frames, I believe. <laughs> oh Jesus. So, um, and that's three frames at a at 30 fps for the record. Okay. So a tenth of a second. Um. So, yeah, so if you try to set a macro right away, I guess it'll get fucked up. But you still do have a window, right? So your timing can vary from press to press. <laughs> your timing can vary by up to two frames. Yes. <laughs> so if you're if you're into that, like, FGC, like, frame links shit, you should be, you should be golden for this. Well, yeah. I did it based on, I mean, the reason I put it in was Super Mario RPG because of the jump, the super jump challenge. Mm. That's, huh, yeah. Which is, to me, harder. I don't think I ever did the ultimate challenge. I want to say, I was actually playing the game yesterday. I, we didn't get that far, but I, I don't remember what the challenge is. I want to say it's 100. I don't um, remember. It's been a long time since I played that game, too. But yeah, that timing that. that timing's really hard, and also your character disappears off screen in between bounces. So yeah. it, like, at least we do you the courtesy of like giving you all the visual information that you need. <laughs> That's true. And I did actually, although some of them took me like over an hour, I did actually finish all the dash challenges that I encountered. The worst one for me being the Cave of Spikes. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to like dash around like a, a snaking corridor that's full of spikes. And if you stop, so the worst part is not like you, if you stop, you get hit by the spikes. The worst part is if you stop and get hit by the spikes in the wrong spot, then the like knockback from getting hit by the spikes will roll you into another set of spikes which will then go off which will roll you into another set of spikes and so you just die oh yeah that's the best part we don't do that very often like with bosses and stuff like we try to avoid there's a couple scenarios with some of the bosses where that can happen where you can get kind of comboed but that room in particular is meant to be like that that's how you know it's a challenge yeah exactly there you go so uh, apologies ahead of time, by the way, Teddy, because part of this is just going to be me passive-aggressively going like, why that got to be so hard, Teddy? <laughs> Yo, I I think about, like, the very first thing I saw on the Steam forums the morning after release was, like, a big, massive, all-caps post that was, like, the Chain Dash Challenge is the worst thing in video games. <laughs> so I had to deal with that. I, I find it really interesting because I'm not, like, I'm not uh, elite or hardcore, usually. I'm good at our game, obviously. Like, everyone's good at their own game. And I'm, like, okay at a couple other games. But I'm not, like, a skilled anything. I don't play fighting games, really, except for Smash. I don't play shooters, whatever. Um, but there's a lot of, like, difficult... I, like, I kind of want to call it, um, like, difficulty indignance or, like, like uh, <laughs> what do you want to call it? Like, people yeah, feel... Entitlement. People, people take umbrage. <laughs> it's entitlement. It's, it's yeah. like, if there is a challenge that seems 
too hard to beat for most people. Uh, people get really mad about that, and I, I don't blame them. Like I understand that feeling. Like if a game presents to you a challenge, and for people who are completionists, like it's kind of it does suck to like really feel like maybe you won't actually be able to beat it. But uh, I don't know. I I had a math teacher in college who, uh, or maybe he was a comp sci teacher. I didn't really take math, so it must have been comp sci. But um, he designed his tests so that the median grade would be 50 out of 100. Oh, um, and then yep. he curved accordingly. You know, see, he wasn't failing everybody. But his, uh, although he did fail a lot of people, but his point was like, if your curve, you know, if your curve is desi- if your test is designed so the average score is like 85, you're not exploring the full width, the full breadth of diff- of skill evaluation. Yeah. And so that's kind of to me what the chain dash challenge is. It's like if you really want to know objectively that you're insane at this, here's <laughs> your challenge. Like, yep. every everything else in the game is hard, but most people like can like most people can beat the bosses. They're not obs- obscene, uh, but they're very hard. But this one is like, if you really want to feel like I'm the super elite or whatever, like there's a couple of achievements for that, and there's this challenge for that. Yeah, and I would say that all the, like, with the exception of maybe we were talking earlier about the West boss being really hard, but with exception of maybe the West boss, all the really, really hard stuff was optional. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's places you go to get extra things. It's not something you have to do to complete the game, which I yeah. think makes it much better. That was the intention, because we, we talked a lot about how, you know, I care, as I am not an accomplished accomplished gamer, like, I care a lot more about people being able to beat it, because there is an arc to the game, and there is a story, and, like, there is a conclusion that I want most people to get to, and, like, completion rates for most games are tragic. It's true. Um, so, we, I mean, we are not that game. We are not a game that's going to have, like, an absurdly high 90% completion rate. I'm sure, like, our completion rate is really low, but... I wanted, you know, we wanted at least that much. Like, if you just want to get through it, you probably get through it. And I actually found that the vast majority of the time I spent playing the game, because I think I've logged, like, 20-some hours in the game now, um, and the vast majority of that time was actually really relaxing, um, because it's a lot of wandering around, like, some fairly, like, attractive landscapes and just, like, trying to find things. Unless you're Carl, in which case it's all dashing in the dojo, I guess. But (laughs) Yeah, dashing and being lost. (laughs) <laughs> well that was that's a really stressful thing right to make a game that has white space um, because that earlier versions of the game including the preview we released on Steam in 2013 or 2014 were like very intense and very constantly on because there was a, a fear especially from Alex who's like you know the, the creative lead and our artist that people would just like run through the game if it was no combat if there weren't constantly challenges and we had to be like dude the game's pretty. Like, <laughs> people will walk. People will be happy to have respite, and that's. It, but it's really hard from the inside with any game to appreciate the value of white space. Yeah. See, actually, it's interesting because um, speaking to the demo being much more intense. Um, back when back when this game was being kickstarted, like I remember it. I remember a whole bunch of people talking about it, um, and like my boyfriend throwing money at it and being like, "That's cool." Um, mm-hmm. And back then, I remember thinking, you know, this game looks very, very pretty. It's a game that I would love to look at, but it just doesn't seem like the kind of thing for me. And so that I, then, you know, I wasn't really thinking about playing it when it came out until we were like, let's do it for the podcast. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, and I am I was very thankful for that, that white space being there because it's sort of like, okay, maybe this is more for me than I was expecting it to be. So that's 
<laughs> I don't know. That's I guess I'm, I know that I'm sort of atypical um, <laughs> in, in terms of, like, just, like, I'm super content to kind of wander around and look at stuff. Um, being being that I am a very art-focused person. Um, mm. So, you know, I found it... I, I was I was surprised, I guess. There is still ongoing debate in the player community and internally about an easy mode, especially when it comes to the console port, is something that we told people we would consider because a lot of people have requested it. Mm. Um, I won't say what what team I'm on. <laughs> easy mode easy mode should be just like a few frames a few more frames of invincibility when you get hit. That should be like the only addition. Yeah, I mean the the that's the question, right? Is like if yeah. you're gonna make an easy mode, is it is what's the point? Right? And if the point is a balance tweak, that's one thing. But if the point is like we have accidentally alienated a large number of people who are not really skilled gamers but they want to see our pretty game, like there's this onus of like, oh, maybe this needs to be like a fucking like really easy game, a really easy have, mode, right? Yeah, easy mode should be um, like sightseer mode, tourist mode, where there's just no enemies in the game and all the bosses die in one hit. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, I thought I joked about walking sim mode, it made everybody cringe. So I was like, yeah, haha. Um, we did. I mean, we did just ship co-op, which is something we kind of forgot to announce on last week because we're tired. But we moved our co-op feature from beta into main um meaning like and 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 to me that is sort of an easy mode yeah i was gonna ask does the like does anything about the game in terms of like a number of enemies or enemy health actually change in co-op mode or it's just you're playing the same thing but with another person uh nope nothing changes the only difference is visual noise obviously it's already kind of a pretty noisy game when it comes to projectiles and stuff so there, there is an implied difficulty change we found in that, and the bosses do get double health, okay. uh, which makes some of the bosses, in my opinion, harder than they would be in, in single player, um, and is possibly something we'll tweak later. <laughs> God, if you want to make co-op mode extremely difficult, you could turn on friendly fire. <laughs> we we totally talked about it, nice. um, and I we would have prototyped it had it not been such a like thoroughly complicated thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and people have asked about PvP and stuff like that, and it's like, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but we're probably just not going to, you know, priorities, limited yeah. budgets, all that. I feel like um, I would, I, I, I welcome co-op mode because, uh, so I played this, and Huck also tried to play this, uh, but Huck doesn't like hard games at all, so he played a little bit and then got very frustrated and stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think like, we could totally play this as co-op, because... I've beaten the game, so clearly I can beat the game. So he can be like the tails to my Sonic, right? Like I'll do, I'll do all the work, and he can just hang back and try and shoot things and contribute when he can. Yeah, it's um, it was interesting designing. I mean, we built co-op from the ground up from the beginning. We just didn't ship with it because it wasn't tested enough. But um, there's some interesting things about it. The the thing I've heard that I like the most about it is that um, it's not. Like, there is a little bit more pressure on player one, because if player two dies, the game is not over. Um, but you, as player two, can contribute as much as you're able. Like, you have almost all the exact same abilities, uh, which means, like, it's not just a little brother mode or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> like, it doesn't it doesn't look down on player two. Like, if, if yeah. you wanted to have two people of equal skill go in, neither is going to be. What Huck would call Starcatcher mode from back when we uh-huh. played Super Mario Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> Right. God, I forgot about that. That that even existed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 
That's, mm. How do co-op works with upgrades? Do you have your own upgrades? No, everything in co-op uh, is effective. Like, all the permanent upgrades are mirrored. So mir- uh, upgrades and weapon unlocks are available to both. Um, you both share the same loadout, so whatever two weapons you've chosen are the two weapons available to both players. Um, the only functional differences are player two costs player one one health to spawn, <laughs> and then when he dies, just nothing happens. He or she dies. So when player two dies, they just go away, and they can respawn for for another health cost from player one. So it's actually very economically beneficial to play co-op. Um, player two also can't use health packs, nor that nor can they collect health packs. That's the biggest difference. Okay. Interesting. Um, I and I I saw you said on Twitter that uh that the soccer gets pretty crazy in co-op mode. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, that's like one of those. Oh, let's... we didn't we didn't actually mention this in the summary section, so let me just briefly address. There's a soccer mini game in the game that you unlock after you defeat two of the bosses. Thank God we got that in. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Testament to, prop, to proper scoping that we actually made time for that. Um, that, but that being said, uh, we did not polish it like we polished other things. So there is a meme that like that is the hardest boss in the game <laughs> because we basically just OP'd him and made him immune to a lot of stuff. And so it's yeah, it's just really fun. Like it's I find it very fun in two player. And that AI is one of those that was like rough enough that I sort of don't remember what's happening with him. He's just sort of out there, <laughs> self-aware sort of thing. The small, the small village child, strongest of the bosses. <laughs> it's like um, it's like the little football savant over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like the that pinball kid from the uh, from the rock opera. Yes. I guess I actually yes. know very little about that. Someone was just telling me about it the other day. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, since we have you here, Teddy, there there were like uh, a couple design and or process questions that I wanted to ask you about sure. this game. Um, I w- I'm really curious about uh, because it's such a game that hinges on like challenges and difficulty. I'm curious about your playtesting process and like your iteration. Mm. Like, how often did you, when you were designing a challenge, was it just based on like the skill level of your team members, or did you bring people in to try it out, or what did you guys do? Uh, so for the first year or so, we didn't do anything special other than bring it to shows. We were doing a lot of shows for the first uh, year to year and a half, which is really good for giving you yourself milestones when you're in sort of an open, free-form exploration uh, phase, at least for us. It was like, we were a new team, uh, none of us had ever made a game this big, we didn't really know what we were doing, so we didn't have a lot of hard goals except those surrounding the shows. So the shows for us were our opportunities to do playtesting. So like in the first year, we were doing a show every three months or so, and that ended up being our sort of loop for how we would get player feedback. Um, after that, once we realized that was fucking nightmarish... Can I curse on this podcast? <laughs> uh, what absolutely. Yeah. Go for okay. it. Um, too, too late. Um, uh, uh, what am I saying? Uh, yeah, after we stopped doing shows because we, it was a drain physically and just it diverts. At a certain point, it diverts production too much to keep having to make a nice, neat bug list demo. Um, you know, it takes like a month out of production time just to do one of those and test it properly. So then we got into a more responsible playtesting mode because also at that point, 
uh, I no longer trusted any of us to have perspective. <laughs> um, when we would have this argument you all dash, the time. You can dash a thousand times. That's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, to his credit, Alex played the game the most of all of us all the time. Like he would be playing it at home every night, like really leaning into it. Um, so I had the most arguments with him about this because he was the one who had the most feedback. He'd be like, oh, "I was playing this, and this feels this way." And it got to a point where we started to have those like the arguments that make you realize you need a more scientific process where it's like, this is too easy. I'm like, fuck you. No, it's not too easy. Like, you're just really good. Like, no. And we just, you know, once the yelling starts, then we knew we had to play test. So um, then we, uh, for most of production, we went into a biweekly cycle where we would do sort of a sprint or whatever you want to call agile, loose version of like a two two week milestone thing where we'd set goals for two weeks. And at the end of two weeks, on Friday morning, we would go to uh, Alex's house, and we'd invite someone who had never played the game before to come and play, and we would decide ahead of time what we'd be testing. Um, and that was the main thing we did. We did that for, and I want to say... I assume after that, you would uh, one of you would gloat to the other about being right or wrong, <laughs> about what was too easy. Well, yeah, a little. Um <laughs> Well, no, but then there's the, like, oh, it's up for interpretation, right? Like, how skilled is this player versus another player? Like, it's never a perfect solution. So there really is no slam dunk, I was right, but it is really valuable data to have. Because we had players who would come in and be like, oh, this person is just bad at video games. But that's good That's good data to have, but we know. Because you always want to ask, like, your player profile when they come in. Like, do you play a lot of games? Are you good? At, would you say you're good at them? Um, later we did long form play tests like in November, December last year we did like we were sending builds to like we sent it to like 20 people and we were like hey you've got a month please please play the hell out of this like if you can and give us more longer form feedback because that's a whole different type of feedback good to know. I have, I, I, I can keep going down the list of questions, but like, <laughs> Carl or Kelso, do you, would you like to interject with anything? You ask very good questions, is my interjection, <laughs> so go for it. Yeah, All right. Keep working on your list. Okay, um, so I want to ask about the hint markers, mm-hmm. uh, because it took me like several hours in the game to notice that like, hey, Sometimes when there's something, like most of the time when something's hidden, there's a little symbol on the ground that indicates that something is hidden nearby. Uh, and I'm wondering if there was discussion about like whether that should go in, if like that made it too easy to find things, like if, if it, people were having too much trouble finding things, and so that was an adjustment. No. Uh, from the, I was actually, th- like, I would put all of that, or at least the initial uh, concept of that, on Casey Hunt, who was our lead level designer for a while. Um, he left the project a few months, uh, or several months before shipping, but, and then Alex sort of took over the mantle as, as making, like doing a lot of level design. But, but Casey sort of established what I would call like the, the worst, meanest secrets in the game. <laughs> some of this, and some we cut because they were just really like, astronomically, unreasonably hard to find. But, but from the beginning, especially because like a great deal of our secrets have to do with things being framed off camera, um, and we, you know, you t- just it, it just kind of seemed it was pretty intuitive to us from the beginning. Like there wasn't, we didn't really have a period where people just weren't finding it. Maybe a little bit, but by and large, it was kind of it made sense that like if we're gonna be framing things off camera, 
we don't want people grinding along the walls for the entire game. Like we want to give I them. I did a lot of that anyway. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. I mean, to be fair, we did not do this perfectly. Like there is no perfectly uh, crafted visual language that that tells you that's a secret once you master it. And there's definitely exceptions to the rule. But it did but help the... a lot though. Like once I discovered the sigil, I went back to the first area and discovered like a ton of secrets that I'd missed on the way out. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it varies from it varies from like secret to secret in terms of the language we use. Like, there are a couple different markers that were kind of rules for like, okay, like if there's a hole in the wall, it's what it kind of looks like, and if there's like a place you can probably dash off of, we put like some lights down or things like that. Um, and that's tutorialized at the beginning very subtly, but um, like we one of the very first turns you make uh, when you're down before you even get to the the city is like. Uh, you have to push yourself off camera using lights as a guide, but yeah, I don't know. That was just a rule that came out really early uh, from the level designers that I thought was excellent. Yeah, it's it's it read pretty well. I felt uh, for all that, like I say that having only found nine of sixteen keys, and only five, <laughs> five co- only five costumes. Don't uh, quote, don't quote me as saying that all sixteen keys are fairly hidden. I don't. <laughs> Um, there are uh, definitely a couple that are not, but yeah. Um, so you, in as part of answering that, you mentioned that some stuff was cut because it was like way too hard to find, like astronomically hard to find. I want to hear about that. <laughs> what got cut? The main. So yeah, I mean, generally the rule of thumb was the same as it was for combat, right? Hard but fair is what we were going for, and the same was true of exploration and secrets. It's like, well, it's hard, but there is whenever you know, unless we fuck up, like there is language there that you can use to sort of learn. Um, one that was that was not obeying that rule that we used in a number of secrets and then ended up cutting was um, so the camera does a bunch of lean like the camera is designed to lean in the direction you're moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it al- it also leans a little bit to favor enemies and things like that. Like um, there's a couple different elements in terms of how the camera ends up moving. But uh, one particularly notable thing is that when you're aiming, it leans a little bit more, and when you're aiming with a railgun, it leans even further. Um, and so, so we have. I'm, I'm bad at the names of the guns. Ah. The railgun, the big laser one, uh, or the so little laser one. Like. The, sorry, there. Are, so there are six weapons. Um, there are this two is, of. This of, is my name. This is my names for the six weapons. There's the little pistol. There's the big explodey pistol. There's the shotgun. There's the one with the laser sight. There's the big laser, uh, and then there's the one that diverges and converges again. <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't distribute names. Like, I don't care what the... I, I hope everything I gets its own canonical name that is not provided by us. The railgun is mentioned in one of the achievements, but I wasn't sure which one. <laughs> to us, there are three categories. There's the two There's two pistols, two railguns, and two shotguns. Okay. So you can kind of intuit from, from that. The, um, okay, yeah. We call so the converging makes- gun the diamond shotgun. Because um, it makes kind of a diamond shape, and then we call the other shotgun. We actually call that a blunderbuss because it is kind of blunderbussy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. With either of the railguns, with the railgun or the one that makes explosions, um, if you aim those, they lean the camera further. And so we had a couple secrets where you have to stand like on the edge of the world and aim the railgun, and only then. Would the camera move far enough for you to see like a switch that you could shoot? So like you and bullets will not like, bullets get destroyed off screen. So you could not do this without the railgun, and you could not even see it without the railgun and without 
choosing to aim off of ledges. It was really mean, and that it is, was unfair. That is pretty tricky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, next question. <laughs> the, the southern area. So, when you're playing the game, you have three open areas to start with, um, and you have to beat the boss in all three of them before you unlock the southern area, which, as we said earlier, has a bunch of mini-bosses, um, and is much smaller and more dense than the other three areas. Um, so, like, the other three areas have a lot of, like, sort of wandering around, um, and, you know, just, just they're big, mm-hmm. basically. And mm-hmm. this is, like, sort of one central hub with a couple different entrances to underground areas that are pretty interconnected. Um, so I'm, I have a theory as to why that might be the case, but I'd rather just ask you, what was what was with that? Why not just mm-hmm. have them all open from the beginning, and why have the last one so small? Uh, I'll answer those in the opposite direction. Um, the reason that it's so dense is because um, it was a scope thing. Like I, I actually was pushing to cut the south because... Um, we had a bunch of different iterations on the South that were all really fucking cool and all really weird and different and required a lot of extra work. Um, uh, for a long time, it was going to be this big open desert, like it kind of is now, but huge. And I wanted kind of like the uh, JRPG trope, you're lost in a massive wasteland, like everything looks the same, you're lost in the desert or you're lost in a blizzard if you're going with Final Fantasy VII. Um and we were going to have these, like, uh, roaming bosses um, that you would just, like, encounter, but they had movement patterns, and they would be, like, actually moving between rooms of the game. Uh, that proved just to be too damn unique and too hard, and, like, designing an, any encounter, particularly a boss encounter, to be independent from its surroundings is kind of a nightmare, because <laughs> yeah. combat, you know, combat and the environment it's in are intertwined. Uh, and then we, we had a... I won't go through all of them, like, because I don't want to... I don't know. We'll say all of them. But like we went through a bunch of stuff. And then ultimately we were kinda like, ugh, maybe we should cut this. And what we ended up doing, because we knew we wouldn't be able to do a third major area, is that we um, ended up using most of the rooms from the preview build. Um, but repurposing them and compl- and in many cases like completely redesigning them. But anyone who played the hell out of the preview build, uh, especially if they did it recently, which I guess they couldn't, but um, a lot of those a lot of those rooms are from the original preview, and so since that was at a time where the game was especially hard, um, I know that Alex built a lot of or as much white space as he could into that. But generally, that's that was its DNA, and then we sort of leaned into that. We're like, well, that's what this area is about. Like, it's all about like, it's just like you're going because there's like the surface, and then there's the labs is what we call the things in the world, and the south is you know a, a big sandy crater. Like there is nothing to be seen in the surface it's all lab it's all tech it's all science and so that became the character of that region yeah creepy um, mad science bill mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then um the reason that you cannot go there from the beginning was actually a decision that we made a week or maybe two weeks before release um, <laughs> we found from some late tests that like yeah wow the south is we felt like it was harder as a region, just generally more intense. And we had a couple long-form playtesters who went there, went that direction first, and we were like, that's a bad experience. We don't want them to do that. Like, We want player choice from the beginning. We wanted you to be able to go wherever you wanted because we want this to be the sort of open experience. But we can tell that design-wise, we really, really would not like you to go there first. So um, 
so I uh, yeah, so I pushed to block it off. That's that's my fault or not fault. I um, your decision. <laughs> uh, my recommendation, and then everyone uh you know everyone makes these decisions together. But yeah. uh, fortunately, also there are some narrative reasons why it works that I will not talk about. But like. <laughs> It also happened to be a very conveniently good, like, yes, this region makes sense to be the last place you go before you go to endgame. Yeah, and it does, I, I would say, narratively, because yeah. we were, we were, you, you thankfully missed our, like, random speculation about what the story means. Mm. Um, but it's, uh, there is, it does seem to be a theme of, like, you know, technology taken too far and you're, like, sort of facing this like in your quest to like go to the final final boss in the final area of technology you're like facing down what happened kind of thing it it feels like a late zone uh, yeah. difficulty aside mm. it really feels like a final area yeah plus yeah, it's got that if it's I got you that... face several bosses too mm-hmm. yeah really works there's multiple that. bosses there's also that dash challenge with the falling floor mm. which for some reason like I don't know, I was, like, off that day, like, when I sat down to get the rhythm right for dashing, but took me, like, way longer than it should have to get through. <laughs> um, Alright, one more one more question. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do in the game. There's, there's combat with swords and with guns, there's dashing around, there's exploring things, there's boss fights. What is your favorite thing to do in the game? Oh. <laughs> Because you must have played all of it a lot at this point. Yeah, yeah, favorite's hard. Um, I have some favorite things, and then I have things that are more evergreen for me. You know, like, even my favorite things, I would say, that I feel like are the coolest, like, aren't necessarily my favorite to experience again, because I got tired of them. Um, I... I find the North boss to be the most fun for me. I find the West boss to be the most challenging for the way that I play. Because I'm like a real sit back, um, like I'm usually like a sniper type in games. Like I'm not in your face, and you really have to be aggressive with the West boss. Um, I like a lot of the Vista moments. I think I mean for me that my favorite thing to do in the game are like the things that are evergreen. Which to me, like the soccer is pretty evergreen. Um, if I weren't, if I were more of a masochist, I would just keep adding features to that. And I was <laughs> tempted to, but I like I reached a point where I was like, all right. Like we gotta, we gotta, we gotta stop. Um, I love that, and I love. I will do that over and over. I'll still do the dash challenge sometimes. Um, it just feels good, you know. I feel so good about the dash that I do that. Like I, I think my best dash ever I did during a meeting, because we were just <laughs> like talking. I mean, which sounds like really arrogant, but I was like, I was like having a meeting and dashing at the no, same I time. I totally get that. Sometimes, like, you need to take the top edge of your consciousness off to get really in the zone. Yeah, I know you're, like, a meeting gamer. <laughs> yeah. Well, Teddy's, Teddy's seen me play a whole ton of Peggle during classes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, is she not paying attention? It's like, oh, this is just, like, how your brain's wired. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Peggle's a good game for that, too. <laughs> yeah. Tell you what. Um, I actually had to have a... This is this is sort of embarrassing. Uh, I had to have a chat with my current work boss about that because he's like, you need to stop drawing in meetings. Like that's not like you need to be paying attention. And I'm like, well, actually, like I need to be doing something with my hands because like otherwise I can't focus on what people are saying. Mm. So like you can either have me drawing or you can have me completely like mentally not present in the meeting. So right. yeah, that's a hard thing to navigate. I've I've dealt with that too because I have like very. I mean, I don't do anything that 
that involved, but I have very active hands when I'm thinking and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like one other thing that I really, I really, I mean, obviously, I the thing I like the most are like the things that were new. So, for example, a lot of the soundtrack is my favorite part because a like Rich did a lot of the music in the last month just because of his schedule, um, and b because I you know like early on we built like a, a mute music button because I was like I don't want to be sick of this music like I <laughs> I'm I'm gonna hate it so I need to mute it so like I made a mute function in in our editor. Um, so like when I play the game, still sometimes I'm like I don't know this track. <laughs> like, <laughs> awesome to get to have that feeling. Yeah, there's there are some pretty cool music tracks and also um, just like the generally the ambiance of of the game is pretty cool. Um, not just like sound design wise. There, I, I was thinking about this as I was finishing up the game in the like final area. You're going down and there's those like one or two like couple frame flashes of like the boss like he's he's yeah. there but not there that creeped the fuck out of me that was well done <laughs> oh man uh that that whole region used to be even longer and we were gonna do so much of that shit we were like let's just go let's just steal all the best horror tropes and like put them in here and it's so easy it's like it's not easy but it's like you know being being fucked up is really easy in video games because yeah, it's all artificial very, to begin with. Yeah, and there's a very I feel like well established language for it. Mm. Like there's stuff where you're like, oh, I've seen this in like 20 games, and it's always scary. Like I know how to do that. Oh yeah, I mean I I was forced against my will by a friend to play PT, and Oof. like, God, like you just you're just walking and you're like, I can tell that I'm being manipulated. Like the camera is woozy, and they're doing all this really good stuff with like camera design and sound design, but ugh, it's still but it works. They do it because yeah, it works. Man, yeah. Like I've I've like I don't have a PS4, so I never actually played PT. I've only watched other people play PT and that is the most stressful thing just I can think of off the top of my head is God that mm. So like never I mean I don't play I don't I do not consume scary things in general. Um and I certainly don't play scary games, but never in my life if I've had an experience where I like am finding it hard to turn around because I know that I could be frightened. Like I'm yeah. too scared to turn around in a video game is yeah. the best. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. We could not do that because our camera is above your head, but <laughs> I'm sure content. there's I'm sure there's a top down equivalent to that somewhere. I guess so. I don't know. I'd have, I'd have to think hard about it, but Yeah. Um, actually, there were some pretty cool things that, um, yeah, I, there is totally a moment uh, like that in Hyperlight. Mm. Uh, and it's the moment when you are on the mountaintop and you start moving towards the left and you see the tips of the fingers. And mm. you're like, oh, God, I remember when I was coming up here in the distance, I saw there was like a frozen giant stuck to the side of the mountain. I know it's there. I know if I keep walking forward, I'm going to see it. And it's there, and it's horrible. Just, <laughs> just yep. as anticipated. I find them to be friendly in general. Oh, I find them to be creepy every time I encounter one. And, like, most of them are, like, bleeding and falling apart. And <laughs> the That's one good. Is cool. Yeah, they were very cool. I totally like, loved them. I liked them, <laughs> but, uh, they, but they, they freaked me out. Before. They gave me a really strong... Um, Evangelion feeling. Mm. Yeah, we get Evangelion a lot. Alex likes to uh, push the comparisons closer to Nausicaa, 
Just because oh, it makes yeah. a little, that, 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 a little bit more what, sense. That is what Huck mentioned when he saw the down one. He's like, oh, look, it's like a Nausicaa thing. Yeah. <laughs> um... The uh, I I think yeah the Evan I I feel like Evangelion because there's that sort of blurred line of is it a machine or is it living yeah kind of thing that always creeped me the fuck out about Evangelion oh boy yeah <laughs> like they're machines yes but why did they bleed but they bleed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah there's some there's some fucked up stuff in that game in our game <laughs> it's nice good though I like it a lot. Um, we like your game, Teddy, by the way. It's a good game. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I'm hoping to go back to it in a few months and actually, like, sit down and play it all over because I, you know, very close to it. But, yeah, everyone everyone's response has been really really heartwarming and, and encouraging and stuff. It's hard to, like, accept that something is done when you know there's little holes in it here and there. But mm-hmm. but we, we feel good about it. We feel good about it. As you should. Trying. Um, the... <laughs> Um, let me let me do one let me get one more complaint out of the way before I start start talking about my my next actual topic. I was so angry when I finished that cave of spikes thing, and the mm-hmm. only reward was a costume. <laughs> like I thought for sure there was gonna be a key card there because they're like the hardest to find. And I'm like, there better be a freaking gun at the end of this. After I'd been doing it for an hour, I'm like, there better be a gun and a key card at the end of this path. And it was just a costume. And I'm like, ah, Teddy, why? Is it I can totally, I can totally agree with that with the shame dash. <laughs> oh, uh, hmm. Is it? It's is it just an upgrade slot like a piece? I assume it's just an upgrade piece. Oh, the reward for the chain dash? Yeah, for the for the chain dash achievement. That's that's an outfit as well. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think, oof, I'm, I feel your pain. <laughs> uh, there's there's there might be more reward than you think, but that's all. Uh, yeah, no, it's pro- it's true that uh, like there were a couple places where I got to the end of a challenge and I didn't find like I found something small and I'm like, I'm missing something, aren't I? I have to be missing something because then <laughs> there has to be more reward than that. And I thought I scoured that room pretty, uh, pretty clearly, but maybe I did not scour it enough. Uh, I'll have to go back. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> that place was torture. I'm never going back. <laughs> um, all right, I want to talk about, um, and this, this is especially interesting to me now, Teddy, because you mentioned um, that like the Chain Dash challenge was based on like these this older game. I was on the, the Super Mario RPG. Um, I want to talk about difficulty in games and the idea of unforgiving versus unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, because simultaneously, while I've been playing this, I've also been playing Majora's Mask on my stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a boss in that game that's a like a fish where you have to like jump into the you have to like stun it with the hook shot and then jump into the water and swim down to it and, um, like, hit its horn and then swim back out of the water before it recovers, because if it recovers, it will eat you, and it, like, deals, like, two and a half hearts damage. Uh, Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff in that. So, like, that's also very hard. That was very hard, and simultaneously I was playing Hyper Light Drifter, where the bosses are, and some of the fights are very hard. Um, But in Hyper Light, it always felt like, if I practice and I focus, I can do this. Whereas in the Majora's Mask one, it felt like sometimes I'm just in the wrong place. 
and it takes a second and a half for me to get onto this ledge, and it takes a second for the fish to get me. So literally, I just have to be, I have to have enough luck that I got that extra half second lead time, mm. uh, which felt really unfair. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know. There's not really, this is just, this is not really a sure. question behind this. This is just me rambling. But I guess the question is, like, um, you know, how do you mitigate, you know, making sure that something is not unfair but is still challenging? Uh-huh. Um, I think it's just in a lot of the detail work. Like, I mean, obviously that that was a a value system that we went into it with. I mean, I think, I like, no one wants their game to be unfair, not really. But when I say value, it's, like, it's something we put energy into. Because no one, everybody wants their game to be hard but fair, but, like, that takes a lot of work. And it, I think, like, there's no magic bullet it's just a lot of like paying attention to a lot of things like okay anything that deals damage should have some sort of tell you should have reliable tells like um we you know we're even more fair than dark souls in a lot of cases in the sense of like we don't do a lot of like you will just die the first time this happens you could conceivably probably maybe beat our game without dying like on your first try if you were extremely careful because like like I like cause what the first Dark Souls has the boulder that falls down the stairs when you go up the stairs, and like if you don't know it's coming, you could conceivably be killed by it. Yeah, but. It's, it's got multiple. I remember multiple instances of the uh, sneaky boulder. Yeah. <laughs> and like um, lots of lots of sneaky archers as well. Sneaky boulder should be a shorthand for that type of challenge. <laughs> it's a sneaky boulder challenge, you know, <laughs> one of those that kills you the first time. I, I don't know. It's just like our the. We 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 were wary of stuff that would rob you of communication, which is the most important thing. You know, like we need to communicate to you what's happening clearly, and if you don't see it, then we're doing our job wrong. And if you see what's going on clearly, and you see everything coming, then you know when you're going to die. And then even if like it's still possible to get in a situation where you're kind of fucked, but that's because you got yourself there. Um, so things like tells, things like. Um, most of the controls are designed to be very, very responsive, you know, like the there ours is not a game that is um dictated by animation. We have amazing animation from our animator Sean Ward, but like uh it is not you know, you don't like press a button and then you wait for the animation to play out and then you dodge. Like the dash happens on frame one, the sword happens on frame one, the bullet happens I think on frame two or three. But um yeah, uh, where am I going with this? Um, and then, and then situations like just looking out for things that felt unfair. So, like, we do a little bit of input queuing. So, for example, like, you can't dash. Well, this is maybe not true anymore. There's certain situations where you can't dash. You know, like if you're being hit or something. But um, we will queue your dash up to six frames. So, like, um, if you press dash and you can't dash, we'll wait and see if there's an opportunity to dash for you in the following six frames because it feels unfair if you push that button and nothing happens in that circumstance. That makes sense. Yeah. Lots of stuff I think like that. That's, that. That one's really good. I hadn't considered that. Um, the, the thing you mentioned that resonated for me was that, like, if you get yourself into a bad situation, it's because you got yourself there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a huge, like, uh, bright line on it for me, like, at least feel-wise, is that um, it should feel like you were given all the tools 
and you either used them properly or you didn't. Like, yeah. you can't blame us for not handing you everything you needed. It's like you yeah. have agency, and that includes the agency to fuck everything up for yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just, like, I mean, the most basic enemy, like the what we call the Dirk, like the little green guys, um, this used to be different, but really early on, like month two, we made it so that if they're mid-attack and you hit them, as long as you don't kill them, they're still going to finish their attack. Like, you don't interrupt their attack. Meaning, like, mm -hmm. if a thing is leaping at you and you swing at it, you're going to still get hit. Like, you should have dodged. You were being greedy. So stuff like that that makes the game more difficult, but it's obvious. It's like, okay, well, now you know. You can't interrupt that. Yeah. And that tripped me up a bunch of times. But I got used <laughs> to it eventually. I mean, it also helps that we were making a, a 2D game and that um, although we will often complain about it, sometimes publicly when we're at our wit's end, um... We often complain about GameMaker, the engine that we used, um, because we definitely were pushing it to its limits because um, we're probably the largest game that's ever popped out of it. But um, it is fast at certain things, and we do have, in a lot of situations, like Pixel Perfect Collision. Um, so your sword hits where it's going to hit. Like You're not, you're not going to get cheated by hitboxes. And any time that the hitboxes are less than perfect, it's in your favor. So like in when I first started making video games, like I was I think I was like you know we were probably making stuff in school, Kyle and I was like doing stuff in Flash or whatever, and it's like well I have to make when we do this attack I have to make a, a hitbox what we call a hitbox right which is a square region and if the enemy is inside of it they get damaged, and that's less than precise because nothing is perfectly square in your graphics, but it's the only way to do it in a lot of thing situations because it's more optimized for computers to process, but like our the way our collision works, for example, with the sword is there is a sprite of the character slashing the sword, and every pixel that is the color of the sword deals damage, and that's where the damage is dealt. It's like hmm. it's, what, it's what you see is what you get. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So I have a question. When testing the game, mm. what areas did the tester choose as their first area in most cases? Um, we're getting a lot of reports of east or north. More north than we expected. I went north. <laughs> I went north. Huck, Huck went north, and I and then got like super angry about the north boss, so I intentionally didn't go north mm -hmm, <laughs> because mm -hmm. he went north. Yeah, I don't. I don't I know why. Do you have any idea why you went north? Uh, I I do, Carl. I don't. Mm. Um, okay. Well, it might it might have been because of the starting position mm. in the in the mm -hmm. town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, we do start you like slightly northern of the central diamond. So I think my decision to go north was based more on uh, not yet having the full literacy of like the language that the game was giving me. Um, so you're in the house and you go to the right and there's like a table and an interact and it gives you like an image of the little triangle bits mm -hmm. and I I think like in retrospect that's like these go indoors but when I was looking at it initially it looked more like a map and it looked like it was indicating you should go north so that's why I went north yeah. first that so. is that's that is something we realized after the fact that we didn't bother to patch but like yeah that is meant to be a diagram that's explaining how the end game works cause, mm -hmm. like it shows you the, the thingy that you're gradually unlocking um 
and Alex highlighted one of them graphically just like as you know to make it look interesting like and to to zoom in on it yeah uh, and he chose the north one because it just was the cleanest place to do it and we realized after the fact like oh that's what happens we learned this time and time again when your game has no text people will pick up clues wherever they can find them yep. and that was one of those clues we gave by accident yep <laughs> so that's why uh, I went north yeah I mean north is fine like some people find the north boss to be the easiest some find them to be the hardest so we we had judged the east to be the easiest and so we have like a couple mm-hmm. cues to make you go east but it's not a you know it's not a tragedy if you go north yeah I felt like north was sort of like middle difficulty so it was like you go north and then after after that I went east I think I went west last um, and east was sort of like a nice little breather that I felt yeah. like I had sort of earned um, so yeah uh, the East Bust, I think, was definitely the easiest for me. And I thought the North one was going to be really hard. Um, and I think it is if you do it before you have Chain Dash. Once you have mm-hmm. Chain Dash, it's much easier. But if you don't have Chain Dash, getting out of the way of those attacks is miserable. It's tough. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's true. I mean, East has, or North has those birds that deal two damage. Those are pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, but the East has possibly the hardest enemy in the game because it may, may be the only enemy with invisibility for invincibility frames which is the giant plant monster mm-hmm. yeah ah oh, those things they are motherfuckers and they are <laughs> they have an insane amount of invincibility uh and a lot so. of health mm-hmm. they're big they're big so yeah i guess there is no easy region for sure and i find the west boss to be the hardest so yeah Take i that. think we that was pretty much the consensus yeah Although he used to not have, he used to have a bug where if you timed it right, we found uh, while I was playtesting, like you could get him to leap with his sword off the cliff and die, <laughs> which happened one time. It was like pretty much the best moment we had in development, That's and I felt weird. like such a badass. <laughs> but we had to take it out because it's a little bit too, it's a little bit too cheesy. That yeah, if, I don't know. that, that I would be exploited that. like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might be worth it though if it was hard enough to get. It might be worth finding the people who were like, no, I need to get the, like, one-frame perfect thing that I can do that gets him to jump off the edge. Would have taken too much work to make it hard well, to do. It was a little yeah. easy to do. The, the hyperlight Drifter speedrun strats over here. Show that we got speedrunners already, and they're finding crazy shit, and Excellent. we're not patching a lot of it, because it's cool. Yeah. Like. Yeah, that actually, that's not on my list, but I, I did want to ask about that. Like, do you have any, like, pro tips that you've seen from the speedrunners? That, like, was really unexpected. Um, they've got crazy shit, and, like, they, they've got names for things now. Um, there's, like, a move called the frog jump, which is, like, if you can time it right um, and get a frog in the east to throw his, his ninja star at you, um, you can dash out over water, get hit by the star, and then dash again in midair. Uh, wow. Which I can't, I can't do. And people have used that to a couple awesome uh, conclusions. And we will not patch that because it's so fucking cool. Yeah. That is cool. I definitely... I may have done something like that accidentally. I definitely glitched mm-hmm. across a, a chasm at one point, And it may have been because I got hit in midair when mm-hmm. I dashed the second time. I think there's a frame in there for you, yeah. I was sort of I think I was sort of spamming dash trying to get across the column. It was a it was a puzzle where there's um one of those switches that can only be hit by the laser one of the laser guns. Yeah. Um and I didn't have the laser gun yet, so I had no idea what 
the deal yeah. was with those switches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, there's got to be some way to get across. So I was just like spamming dash. And I'm mm-hmm. like, and then I got across and I'm like, well, that didn't feel appropriate. Like that felt like a mistake. Yeah, right. But I'm here now. <laughs> you did it. I did it. Um, so what other games do you guys like that are hard? Are there any games you like because they're hard? I mean, I, I I enjoy the Dark Souls games. I mean, okay, I say I enjoy the Dark Souls games. I've only played the first one because I just don't have time uh, for the rest of them. But I like that's that's sort of the difference between between this and Dark Souls is that Dark Souls is a much more it, it feels like it rewards methodical play much more, whereas this feels like it rewards aggressive play. Um, and I I I really tend to turtle regardless of what game I'm playing so that it just feels like nice and comfortable to be like I can just like mosey around with my shield up and and that works just fine and I feel like a lot of games don't reward that yeah so takes, I, makes things takes much longer but I don't, that's fine I, I got time <laughs> I totally I love the twitchy jumpy super meat boy style games mm-hmm. I just turn off my brain and play yeah, Meat Boy to me was awesome, um, and I I don't play hard games most of the time, but especially not Maso Core stuff. But like Meat Boy, it's just so, like the 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 respawn is instant, which mm-hmm. is wonderful, and like they just design for it. They know it's gonna be hard, and, and the replay thing is so rewarding at the end to like watch every single death. Um, I I actually haven't played Super Meat Boy. I probably should at some point. Maybe we should do that for the podcast at some point. Yeah, I, you know, I've played it. I, it's one of those games that I like played for a little while and was like, okay, I, I know what this game is now, and then I didn't really <laughs> feel compelled to play it anymore. But I would, I would pick that one up for the podcast. I would be fine with that. It's in the if you're not one of these players, it's in the category of fighting games where it's like you can play it until you get it, or you can play it until you like deeply get it, and that's yeah. like. Like, one of my best experiences as a player, like, before, or just as I was getting into design, was with Smash Brothers, because I'm not a fighting game player, but that's a game that, like, you can go deep in. I think I know this story from your podcast, but go on. Oh, uh, God, I don't even remember uh, what what story that would be. Um, yeah, oh, I, I think I was talking about, like, the um, the shield, right? Like The, the, um, the Falcon, what, or the, yeah, like, the one-frame move or whatever. The Fox shield is, a, yeah, it's a one-frame out, and, like... It's the only move in the entire game that's one frame. And so, like, getting into a game that deep where you're like, oh, I, I appreciate that this was a choice somebody made. And that's the same thing with Meat Boy is, like, you just, you just like, it's worth getting deep into for that experience, I think. Because I'm, I'm guilty with most games of playing it to, like, quote-unquote, get it, and then just dumping out because it's, it's too many games. People no. should stop making games. It's true. There are so many games. <laughs> we have enough. Yeah. It's fine. Um... Sidebar, Teddy, your podcast is super awesome. Playscape LA, by the way, for listeners, like you should also go listen to Teddy's podcast. He does interviews with like LA games people. And your your podcast actually made me feel like so like guilty and wistful over like not having made anything that's mine recently that I started like getting up at five thirty in the morning so I can work before I go to work on my own projects. Well, I didn't mean to pass on the guilt, but that's in there for sure. Um, but it's good because I'm making stuff now. Are you, so yeah. are, you working on, uh, are you working on Turn Up the Heat? <laughs> no, I will work on Turn Up the Heat, yes. but right now I'm working on Tinker Talk. Um, 
But yeah, no. So my like I have played. I normally don't really like super difficult games um, because I respond to frustration by now I have to do it until I get it, mm. um, which is I think kind of destructive and like ends up eating a lot of time. Uh, but I played almost all of uh, VVVV, uh, or however many V's are in the title of that game. There's um, six. Yeah, it's six. Yeah. V V V V V V. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but which at I, at the, at one point I hit a point like towards the end where. Um, I was having a tough time with it, and then I got distracted by someone, something else, and I didn't come back. But that's that's definitely a thing of like it. Re- you have to respawn like checkpoints all the time because everything in that game is a failure <laughs> until it's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about like older games? What about games from like the old generation of not not hard because it was designed that way, but hard because it was unfair because game design was a little looser back in the day. Uh, you know, I hmm, I don't know if this is a good example. I remember when I was very small, there was like a Roadrunner and Wily Coyote game um, that I remember playing just all the time. And um, in retrospect, I don't think I ever played more than like the first two levels. Um, <laughs> and... I think I even went back to it at one point, and the con- the controls were, like, not fun to deal with. Everything was just, like, so floaty, and, you know, it's just, like, maybe maybe you'll land where you want to land when you uh, hit that jump, or maybe you won't. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but, man, I remember sinking a lot of hours into that as a child, and I'm, mm, I don't know, I think it's just because you go pretty fast. It, it taps into that child brain, like, that, that in Sonic the Hedgehog, you just, like... And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go, yeah, and Freedom Planet. I'm gonna go real, real fast, and I'm gonna feel cool while I'm doing it. Because really, who is cooler than than the Roadrunner? <laughs> That's one of the things I like the most about the dashing, the multi dash thing. Even though it almost exclusively worked against me, was the fact that when you start going fast enough, you then have a little bit of inertia at the end of it, where you like just keep mm-hmm. sliding. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost always, that took me off a cliff or into an enemy or into a wall or someplace I didn't want to be. But yeah. it always felt cool when I was doing it because I was going real fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the. Slamming into walls and sliding off cliffs with chain yep. dash is the best. It, I mean, it it kind of it kind of nerfs chain dash and like you don't really want to do more than a few, but I still find it amusing. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there was one more thing on old hard games. Oh, like I'm feeling I'm feeling it in Majora's Mask right now. This like, if I didn't have a, the ability to state save in that game, <laughs> because I'm playing it on an emulator. <laughs> Oh, I would God. be, I'd be real salty. I find the battle, the Battletoads games to be <laughs> infuriating. Oh, Jesus. Fuck those yes. games. They're just badly balanced. <laughs> oh, They're not. God, I tried. I went back and did like a Battletoads night with Alex. We we're like, let's play all the Battletoads games. Why not? And they're all like that. They just inherited this like shimmy design. You can't play them co-op. That's impossible. Oh yeah, because it's friendly fire. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like that sounds like um, a I want to ruin our friendship night. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's <laughs> well, what, that's just what the plan is. And even if you get through that shit, like they all, 
third level have the speeder bike level, which mm-hmm. in itself is mostly unbeatable. Like it's just Which is absurd and if the, I've heard. It's basically well, it's not just that. It's like some of the jumps are like objectively just like well, the collision doesn't even make sense here. Like I can't really tell what's happening. Yeah. Don't, I'll just be angry about it. They're lovely games. I mean, they're ugly. They're ugly as hell. But like, <laughs> they're <laughs> something about something about Battletoads is good. But it's not the difficulty. <laughs> it's the attitude. Uh, didn't you, for uh, for the last Square Bowl, you guys played Final Fantasy VIII, um, and like maybe this was just from the fact that like I came in late, but it seemed like the design of the whole systems in that game, when at least when it was first introduced, like I came in and there was like a tutorial about like here's how all the like magic and upgrading system works in this game, and I'm like, this is insane. Why would anybody, like, learn this? And then I, like, had to go to sleep, and I came back, like, eight hours later, and you guys you guys are like, oh, yeah, I just need to junction this on that character and then copy <laughs> it over here. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I guess they learned it. We, well, we had a guest who came in who knew it inside and out and just taught us because there was no other way to do it. The junction system is interesting and a fun experiment and I think is really, like, valuable is a something to look at, but God, it's convoluted, yeah. Yeah, I think I started playing FF8 once, and then I got to that point, and I was like, you know, I think I'm just gonna play 9 instead. I've heard really good things yeah. about 9, and then I just did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to go back and be like, see, see, 8's not that bad, but it is, though. <laughs> I, I can't even gonna do it. Like, it's okay. Not also, everything it's beautiful. Be successful. Beautiful game. Beautiful mm-hmm. game. I think it was the first game that Nomura did the character designs for and you can tell you got like lots of belts in lots that game. Belts. Yep. I'm all, I'm all about the belts. Almost... I also sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was this. just gonna say almost as many belts as like a Rob Liefeld character, but you know. <laughs> oh god. Um, well, belts belts are proportional to powerfulness in Final Fantasy, so the more belts the mm. better. That's why Lulu is the most powerful character in any Final Fantasy oh, god, game. Yeah. She's wearing a dress made of belts. Mm-hmm. Um but no, also when I was watching you guys play that game, I I left and then came back, and sometime while I was gone, you had been to the moon and also an alternate dimension. And... Yeah, that happened while I was napping. I missed <laughs> the moon. I had to go back. I was like, what? What happened? <laughs> That's my favorite modern trope of Final Fantasy, is the going, to the going into space for some reason. Does that happen in all of the modern Final Fantasy? Not all of them, but it, they do it in 7, they do it in 8. I want to say it's done again, but I'm probably just making that up. They kind of go to like a like a heaven, maybe, or a spaceship in Final Fantasy IX, I think, towards the end. Uh, probably. I'd say that that sounds fair. I think in thirteen, you start on what is essentially the moon, and then you fall to Earth in the latter half of the game. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Final Fantasy XIII. I liked thirteen. I'm like the only person in the world who liked thirteen. I get it. It's also very pretty. I hear the long game is really deep and interesting. It pays off. That is what I hear. Yeah, I, if you get if you get thirty hours in, it'll pay yeah, off. Yeah, I, I remember like that was. Uh, yeah, I just remember like sitting sitting by while my ex played played that game for just days and days and days. So I feel like I have absorbed much of it through osmosis, but 13 I can or eight. Uh, thirteen. Oh. So I don't know. I, I, I feel like I should know what's going on in that game, but I, I don't. Mm-hmm. The naming I, I conventions just... are just 
um, yeah. beyond my comprehension. My the thing I like about it actually isn't the story really. It's uh, I actually just really like the paradigm battle system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's what people defend the most. Yeah. But anyway, um, what were we talking about? Uh, old games, hard games. Oh, hard games. Yeah. Games? I think that's what we're talking about. Games that are hard. I'm trying to remember, yeah. like, I wonder if I went back and played, like, some of the old, like, Legend of Zeldas I played as a kid, like, how they would fare. Because I feel like, now that I'm playing Majora's Mask, I feel like, man, the ones I played on Game Boy, like, Link's Awakening and Seasons, and like, it wasn't this hard. But maybe it was, and I just had more patience as a no. child. Awakening is by far the easiest one. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. At least from my point of view. Hmm. It's been so long since I've played them. I like, I almost don't really remember. Uh, and there were there were some. Now that I'm thinking about it, having before I did Majora's Mask, I did Final Fantasy VI, and there were some like unfair boss fights in that game. <laughs> I'm thinking of like the magic dude at the top of the tower. Like you pretty much have to know the exploit strategy in order to beat that guy. Man, what did people yeah. do before the internet? Gosh. They called a hotline. They and called the hotline, yeah. Money per hour. They they heard it from their friend whose brother's friend's girlfriend's cousin. Called the hotline. <laughs> called the hotline, <laughs> right? Who would occasionally feed them lies about nude codes and then mm. just rumors forever? Just terrible. <laughs> I, I had. I'm sorry, but this is. This is weird. I, I had, in high school, I had a friend who convinced me that um, if you entered, if you did, like, the right weird series of events, like, series of actions in Final Fantasy X, you could get Goku from Dragon Ball Z on your team. <laughs> or, or, like, if you're playing Pokemon and you and you um, strength the truck, there's a Mew underneath the truck. Actually, yeah. my, um... I think one of my friends started the Silver Chocobo rumor, like, way, way back in the day, apparently. Like, I, I feel like I remember her mentioning that at some point, was that that, that was her who started that. monster. <laughs> right? Monsters. I'll have to ask her about that. Hmm. All right. Um... I mean, Goku in a Final Fantasy game wouldn't be the weird thing in a Final Fantasy game. He wouldn't be that out of place, at least. It's true. You always um, need a big, big hair fight, man. I think I feel like there might be some copyright issues involved. Yeah, maybe. You know. I mean, uh, what's his Japan name? Works together, right? The Dragon Ball designer did the started. You know, he picked up doing the designs Trigger. for the Chrono Trigger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and all the Dragon Quest games. So yeah, like, yeah that's, true. that's true. Or many. You know. He probably knows some people in that arena. Yeah. It, it got so far, it actually got to the point where, like, she lent me her memory card that she said had a save file on it with the characters. Like, I don't know what she thought was going to happen. Like, clearly I was going to look at the memory card and find out that that wasn't on there. Ah, <laughs> uh, mysteries. <laughs> Alright. Um, so those are, those are my... That is my bulleted list from my notes. Do you guys have anything else? I no, I'm I'm bad at preparing for these things. I just sort of show up and hit record. So Yeah. Carl, any any last things you want to complain about while we have, have Teddy any, here? 
to complain about? Hmm, what could I complain about? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you can. I mean, there, Carl's there seems really good to at always be a, there seems to always be a delay after you do a move in the game. That yeah, might be just my brain. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, after you do like, what? After you dash, you can't hit straight away. This is true. Well, there's an upgrade for that. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, there's a that's that's how the dash is designed, right? The dash is designed to move very quickly and instantly, but um, but you have a a recovery on it, a natural recovery. Like I fought against cooldown in most cases, um, but um, we ultimately ended up with a stamina system for the skills, but but that doesn't factor into the regular gameplay. Is that play. what that little flashy white bar thing is that appears at the top? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 there to catch edge cases, which which is fair, like. There are some moves that if you really spammed it, it would be sort of unfair. Um, so, like, you can only do a few heavy strikes in a row, for example. Um, but it's not super important. Like, unless you're really trying to spam it, you're not even going to notice it. You can play the whole game and not even know it's there. Yeah. I played I, a lot I was of the very... game without noticing it. And I was like, oh, what's yeah. that thing yeah. over there? Ooh. Looks like a graphical glitch. What's going on? Um, shoot, there was one more thing I was going to say related to dashing when Carl started talking about that. <laughs> ah, I don't remember. I'll fi- I'll track Teddy down later and, and ambush him with a uh, with with angry angry. I'm sure, I'm sure it was a compliment. I'm sure it was yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did enjoy the game a lot. I had a very good time playing it. I'm glad we got to do it for the podcast. That's Thank just you. what we do. Like the we like a game and then we gripe about it. Like how much shit sure. did we talk about Freedom Planet, which we all really enjoyed? <laughs> yeah. Man, your bosses actually probably are not as hard as some of the bosses in Freedom Planet. Yeah. Mm, Freedom. I found myself being much more frustrated much more frequently um, yeah. in Freedom Planet, so this was like a nice nice little vacant... Well, I mean, we played yeah. Hustle Cat in between this and that, so... Really, yeah. Like, really, Hustle Cat was the downtime. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have questions, Teddy. But uh, yes, Hustle Cat was a is a dating sim where you uh, date cats, sort of. Okay. Yeah, you I like cats. Them. You date them, kind of. Te- technically, you date uh, like your coworkers at a cat cafe, but they're all cursed to turn into cats. That yeah. That's that sounds about right. That sounds like the natural conclusion of cat cafe fiction. It sounds pretty reasonable. <laughs> And uh, um, your boss is the final boss. You can only date him after you've dated everybody else, because that's how it works in real life. Oh god, that's so problematic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it felt it felt super sketchy at the time for me, at least. Yeah. Man, I don't care. Uh, I'm all about that old man hype. That old uh, goth man hype. Uh-huh. But uh, before that, we played Freedom Planet, which is like a modern like Sonic clone. Yeah, I've been watching um, video of it. Yeah, and it's uh, th- that's definitely a case I would say where the bosses in that felt unfair more than they felt unforgiving. Like there were times where I'm like, oh come on, really? And yeah. a lot when I was playing that game, which I I got sometimes in the challenges in Hyperlight Drifter, but mostly not in the bosses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, okay. it, it was sort of that like Mega Man you know, mentality of you have to memorize every phase of every boss fight and and every time you, you know, complete a phase, 
you think you're good, and surprise, newer, more powerful phase. Yeah. And you just have no clue how many phases you have to go through um, going into it. It's a fun mystery to solve (laughs) and cry about. Yeah. (sighs) All right. I think we might be good. Yeah, I feel like we've taken up a lot of your time. (laughs) <laughs> no, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's it's nice to like get to digest a little bit and chat about the game. Yeah, it was it's 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 exciting for me that, you know, we play a lot of games, but it's like, oh, I know someone who worked on this game. Let's have him on. <laughs> Let's exploit that. Yes. Connections. So, um so next our next segment is usually Kelso, you get to introduce the game we're playing next. What are I we mean, playing? I, for I don't week? always introduce the game that well, we play. Well, no, but you're introducing but this, this time. But <laughs> this time I am. Uh, yeah, for the next two weeks, we will be playing uh, Telltale's The Wolf Among Us, which, you know, I feel like I should say a lot about the game, but it's a Telltale game, and that's really all that you need to say. Um, it's based off of uh, Bill Willingham's uh, series of comics called Fables, which is about characters from ye olde tales. Uh, Red Riding Hood, Snow White, etc., who, for reasons, have been relocated to modern-day New York City and have so to cope... So Once Upon a Time? But before Once Upon a Time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, Once Upon hopefully... a Time is the is the uh, cat here. Hopefully less um, melodramatic. I understand that Once Upon a Time is, is super I angsty. I never watched Once Upon a Time. Dramatic? I don't know. I know, I know it has a very passionate fandom because I'm on Tumblr a lot. Yeah. So yeah, I um yeah, I've never watched it, so I I really have no basis for comparison. So. But anyway, the game we're playing is not Once Upon a Time. It's The Wolf Among Us. It's it's much more of a like noir mystery thriller type thing. So yeah, there you go. That's what we're playing. Oh, I did have I did have one more question. I sort of remembered. I think it was actually not the question I forgot, but I did remember a different question for Teddy. Hit me. Before before we go, you mentioned on your podcast that the different members of the team uh, are each represented by, by like an NPC somewhere in the game. And I just wanted you to know that every single NPC I encountered in the game, I went, "Is this one Teddy?" Is this one <laughs> Teddy? It doesn't seem like it's Teddy. If it was Teddy, he'd be more fashionable and wearing something cool. Mm. Did you make? Did you did you pick one? Did I pick one? Um. No. In Hit the me end, with your I did... guess on Twitter. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll get I'll get back to you with that. Okay. Excellent. All right. So, uh, Teddy, do you do you want to uh, start? We we end usually by plugging our shit. So, do you want to plug all your your podcast and your Oh sure, I'll plug the things. Uh, I'm I'm Teddy Deef. So I'm Teddy Deef on Twitter. T e d d y d i e f. I also do a podcast, uh, a limited series about Los Angeles' game scene called Playscape LA, um, which you can find on the Idle Thumbs Network or just through whatever podcast apps, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Play Hyperlight Drifter available now on PC, Mac, and Linux. Coming soon to PS4, Xbox One, and Vita. Well, first PS. PS4 and Xbox One, and then we'll be moving on to new platforms. And, yeah. That's okay. it. That's my Excellent. plug. Excellent. Um, I stream... Normally I stream Sunday mornings, Majora's Mask, uh, twitch.tv slash cagetiger, with a K. 
Um, if you want to know when I'm streaming and when my schedule changes, like today I had to cancel because I'm working this weekend, um, you can follow me at Kyla underscore go on Twitter. Um, that is where, that is for, for, for updates and also for like cute pictures of wallabies and um, interesting thoughts about art and jealousy, which I'm, I don't know, I might actually post that later today we'll see yeah. <laughs> or not Kelso I'll, I'll, I'll go next uh, I'm Kelso uh, <laughs> at Kelso Time Bomb on, on the Twitter I do this that you're listening to right now uh, on Fridays I sort of kind of run the one of us stream the uh, End Defender community stream that anybody can sign up for um, the next two weeks I believe are spoken for I think next week JDATS is going to continue to play games where you make tanks kiss. Oh Jesus! I saw like a piece of that <laughs> last week. Like I tuned, I tuned in with the sound off and was like reading the dialogue. Oh man, like, you should have, you should have so listened to his accents. Are, the girls are tanks. Yes. Like what? Yes, it's it's very anime. Um, so that's next Friday at six, and then the following. Is that? Yeah, I think that's when that is. Yeah, that's when that is, and then the following. Um, following week, uh, Bautri Fiddy will be playing more of the Banner Saga, which he played a week before last, and that was a lovely time. Um, beyond that, the calendar is wide open. Send, send me a tweet if you would like to play a game on Friday and hang out with people. That's, that's, that's all I got. Carl, what's going on? You can follow me on Twitter at skug3. That's about it. <laughs> And uh, as usual, like this podcast and a bunch of other stuff from the community is uh, available on our forums at uh, pbpnetwork.forumatic.com. Come chat about yeah. games. Like, talk to us about Hyperlight Drifter there and or uh, The Wolf Among Us. And, you know, we'll talk about what you say on on the next stream if you or have, on the next podcast. If you podcast. have complaints, uh, Kyla can now funnel them to the appropriate, <laughs> the appropriate channels. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. That's well, all we got. <laughs> Teddy, thank you so much for joining us today around your busy, busy schedule. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, sorry for being all Very tight visually. No, uh, it's cool because we had you as a secret, hidden, uh, discovered guest in the same way that you would discover a secret in Hyperlight Drifter. Yeah. Surprise. See, we rubbed against a wall and there was a guest behind it. It's and thematically appropriate. <laughs> yeah. So people yeah. call me difficult but fair. Yeah. <laughs> so my family that's, calls me. That's, what, that's why Deef. <laughs> D I diff it's like difficult but fair. Eh? I don't know where the E comes eh? from. Fair. <laughs> D I for difficult, E for uh, and then F for fair. Yeah. E for butt <laughs> and F for fair. We did it. We made we you made it work. Um, yep. Yeah, Alright. Excellent. See you see y'all in two weeks. Alright. Bye everybody. Farewell. Thanks. Bye. Bye.